welcome to the Developing Your Football World podcast, hosted by the British Football Coaches Network. Today's guest is Harrison Ward, who has been coaching in the USA, India, and Uzbekistan. Enjoy the show. Harry, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm all good, thank you. How are you, sir? How are you? I'm really good. I'm actually looking forward to having some time off over Christmas without having to worry about games and practices and to spend a bit of time talking to people like yourself. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Thank you. Uh, thank you for arranging this. It's, uh, it's nice to uh, be able to... Uh, for years, and it's nice to speak to yourself and, you know, talk about my experiences and, you know, especially with the help that you guys have given, the support that you've given me for over the, over the years when I've gone abroad. Um, like, loads of opportunities have popped up and things like that. So definitely encourage people to, to sign up to uh, the British Coaches Network. Well, thank you. And it, and it works because there's so many people in that are so open to share uh, their experiences, give advice, share the jobs. And so really thank you to yourself and to people for coming on and for telling us about places. So you are going to tell us about your experiences as a coach, where you've been. First of all, let's go right to the beginning. What were your first steps into coaching? Um, my first steps into coaching. So I'm so come January, it will be ten years I've been coaching. I started the absolute opposite. So I started in men's football. I started um, years ago, uh, ten years ago. Um, I started it. In, so I had enough of um, playing for rubbish coach. I, just, I had enough of playing for people who didn't care about the coaching. Um, care about, but I did. Uh, I was very. I was nineteen. I was. I wanted to. You know when I. You know, the coach I had said, you know, go off and uh, basically, when I, if you think you can do a better job, um, go and do it yourself. So I, I did. Um, so I took a team, um, Berry Rangers third, funny, uh, they were called. And we won every game apart from two in our first season. I got to a cup final, so we finished second. Um, and we yeah, got quite successful and then uh, managed to, you know, Manage a couple of other teams for like Sunday League for about four years, um, and then after four years, I went into a company called Premier Sport. I did an apprenticeship in coaching. I was listening to the Cowdy Brothers at the time. I think they were in Lincoln City. Um, so I basically said to you for to be a good coach, you got to coach all the age groups. So I've come out of adult men's football and started doing kids football, so I can coach all the age groups. I finished my apprenticeship in 2017 and 2018, I decided to do a football coaching degree with UK International Soccer, which allowed me to go to the USA for three years. I've uh, got my UEFA B license, got my degree in coaching. And now uh, that's, that, that was my first really like steps into adults and then in, with kids. That opportunity with UK International sounds really, really good. And I'll see they advertise a lot. Uh, going to the United States is a very, very popular destination for coaches. Over the last few years, visa requirements have changed significantly, which is why you're getting companies like them doing degrees and other education. So just tell us about that, that program then. You were there for three years. You got UA for B and you got well, a there for, there for degree. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yes. that's... Uh, um, 
That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, to to right at the so, so we I was so in two thousand eighteen as like I was a guinea pig like it was one I think I was one of the first the first classes to to have this degree because of the whole J so the whole student visa you couldn't get it was very yeah. limited work visas at the time that were going so when I finished my apprenticeship I was so I was like I always wanted to go to the US always wanted to give it a go and so on basically how would you like to live in LA do a degree and get paid for it in those terms I was like yeah where do I sign you know where had so I wanted to, I really wanted to get out of um because I'm from Basildon Essex I uh, really wanted to get out of here I uh, wanted to go and see the world um you know with you with you so one thing I would say about you know UK international soccer if you're just starting coaching it's a great it's a great thing to do I really you know I think you I don't know if it's changed don't quote me on it but as long as you've got your level one I believe you, you can qualify for the degree um but I, I i see like these classes are getting bigger and bigger each year group now and it's becoming really popular um so if you're young you know if you're a young coach i, I reckon if you're 21 22 i'd recommend doing it um if you're I, 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 the coaches that i've met who are on the age of 21 that don't seem to enjoy themselves as much because of the restrictions because you can't go drinking you can't you can't do so much um, so I recommend if you're over the age of 21 to like look into it. Um, if not, then you know no problem in staying in the UK and or or even go, I think there's like there's always opportunities in South Korea. I believe I've heard they're pretty good as well for your step first steps into coaching because you're coaching every single day you're on the grass every day. I think that's really important and you're getting paid for it, which is a bonus. I think that's always um, those opportunities always. Are very important to take in my opinion absolutely i fancy that kind of opportunity even now at 33 going to do three years working uk international in in los angeles so what kind of advantages does los angeles have over basildon um the advantage is so in three years i lived in la for 12 months um with the uk international soccer so you stayed with host families quite a lot of it so you didn't have to pay for um uh, any rent or anything like that they're, they're quite good at looking after you people would like you'd always make you it depends really you, you might get lucky you might stay with a host family for four months and go off and do summer camps for the summer so in 2018 i was i went to fc dallas for for the summer uh which was really really it was a good eye opening for me and it was, a, it was such it was so good to be in that environment and 2019 i went to hawaii for four months lived in hawaii for four months no, i feel like ending this hey, um, I feel like ending this right now because you just said you've been to, to hawaii to coach for four months i think i can't think of anything to top that mate that's that's pretty good especially at a, a very young age too uh, yeah yeah it was <laughs> let's talk about hawaii for a minute yeah, you know, I've got loads of pictures. I can always send them over. You know, I, 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 so what made it, I, I was with a group of coaches, Kyle, Logie, oh, Mr. Who did I Russell Brand? That uh, was quality. Um, it was, yeah, the group of people that I went out with was uh, brilliant, you know. They really made that, you know, really made it for me. Um, and the fact that I was allowed to go you know, for four months, getting paid for it and to live in Hawaii, you're never going to, it's never going to happen again. Not in my, I don't feel like it'll ever happen again. So, and you get these opportunities when you go to, like, you know, do the degrees and things like that. Um, you know, blue skies, ocean blue, 
it's a very romantic place to go. I must, you know, it's not someone for your single, single young man. It's not, it's not, you know, for those kinds of people. It's very like, um, yeah, very romantic, very family orientated place. And yeah, it's um, I've, uh, loads of different food out there, loads of different people. Uh, it was a great experience. You know, loads of mountains, loads of sights to see. It was really, really good. How's the football in Hawaii? The of the, the rest of the US? Uh, the facilities? Um, it was, uh, I could say, because it was all camps kind of thing. I wanted, there were some good players. There, must, there was good players. There were, at the time, in 2019, there was very, uh, they're called club teams in America. There was not many club teams in Hawaii. So it was just becoming a thing. I think people did go to do pre-season and have tournaments and that in Hawaii, but uh, it might have grown now. I'm not sure. I, I think at the time there was I can't remember what the club was called, but there was a there was a club team and they were they were, did their best. They were growing. Um, I don't know where it is now, which would be quite interesting to know. But yeah, no, the football in Hawaii wasn't bad. It was literally like the, the very relaxed and fun at like fun at like. It wasn't serious, if that makes sense. It was okay, just get them playing, get the enjoyment out there. That's what it was, that's what Hawaii was. Oh, that's interesting tonight because um, the attitude in most US states is quite serious and quite aggressive. So, particularly the parents, were they more laid back in Hawaii and the coaches as well? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. That, that it wasn't as. Um, they just wanted their kids to have fun. There wasn't no pressure on them to, oh, you've got to be a footballer. Yeah, and it was, there was one or two maybe, like, one in their progression was interested in that. They've come from other states to, to be to go to Hawaii and they just carried on playing football. Any at all, to be honest with you. LA was, you know, a lot of, lot of money. Uh Texas was a lot. There's a lot of progression in Texas. A lot of sports are massive, big, really big in Texas. Really um, popular. Um, there's a lot of like competitions. There's a lot of yeah, a lot, lots of uh, lots of tournaments to compete in. Almost. Yeah, I know that Texas is quite a, a hotbed for football. So tell me, what are some of the key differences that you have? experience that you've witnessed when it comes to how football is structured in all the different states compared to back home um back home so i'm gonna i'm just gonna use actually dallas as a great example so the players that were there were there for obviously there for a purpose they wanted the contracts uh they wanted the contract they wanted to be they wanted to be better than they were yesterday that was the attitude they call you sir like they didn't look at my age for a while you know they didn't they, there was no disrespect like that um, they, were, they, were, they always wanted to get their head down and they wanted to wanted to be a footballer. And majority majority of the players that I was with have either made it in the first team at Dallas or have gone on to... I think one the Chris is in the Premier League. Um, at the time, Chris just literally was there for a few weeks and then got the got the uh, got signed by Bayern Munich. And there's there's a lot of them that have gone from like Dallas to to Roma and to other European clubs. It's quite good to see. I think it's happening more and more now. More players in the, in the States that are going. Is that something which is specific to Dallas? I mean, is FC Dallas a, a good club providing good pathways or is it more that 
Texas as a state has the right ingredients to develop players? I think I believe Dallas has the right connections and the right pathway. So to get in the FC Dallas first team, you have to go through the youth team and they put a lot of money back into the youth team. They have something like 20 football pitches next to like next to the stadium. So they heavily invest in the in the, within the club. And I can't really say there's many clubs that do that. Um, a lot of them are so like LA Galaxy, prime example, at the time was they sold us Latin t-shirts for 110 dollars. It was it was more that than Dallas was just like yeah it's all about the young the next where's the next young Texas player you know they were very proud the Texans are very proud people and uh, it was it was such a it was such a privilege and you know to to work with some coaches out there and it was I can't it was I'm I'm very very lucky that I got the opportunity to go and work work out there even if it was like four months it was really really good. So I know that FC Dallas. Has- in MLS have got one of the best uh, wage to points ratios typically very low wages compared to quite high points I think over a space span of a decade and a lot of that comes to their their, their youth development system and their, their pathway so looking at the negative side of things are there any changes or adaptations that you think they should make within the American youth soccer system to help them develop even more players or even better players? Yeah, like, yeah. so many people actually ask me about the scholarships and stuff. And I, like, going from the UK to go to America to play, like, to play football, like, to get the scholarships and things like that. And I tell and every single time I've got to tell them, be very careful who you go with, because a lot of them just want the money, just care about your money. Don't care about you, just care about your money, care about making your money. Uh, money from you and I've seen like I've seen you know parents sign a check for 12 grand and, and hand it over so they so for their three kids can play football and not, without even giving them trial without even looking at them seeing who got potential just taking the money and just taking them on so you know where US is absolutely massive you're gonna you get that you know I, I know the US is a very money orientated country in, that's just, but that's just my point of view. Um, there is, but you do get one or two people that just care about the youth development, and you know they do care about uh, what what happens to players. There is a procedure. There is, I'm not going to sign you unless there's a trial. There is, you know, player portfolios and things like that. Um, but there there is seems to be less and less of that happening, and more more just money orientated. Yeah, I'm aware of some of the, let's not call them scams, but some of the, the tricks that some of these organizations pull on on recruiting players because uh, most people in the UK, I think, are familiar with New York, Florida, California, and then the rest of it is kind of just empty space. And, and there's been lots of players that I've known of who've been kind of duped into going over there, living the lifestyle, and so for four years, you'll study a good degree, you'll play loads of football, and you'll you'll live in the amazing state of uh, Kansas. And they go, oh, wow, this sounds amazing. And then turns out, well, you only actually play for four months of the year. The style of football is agricultural. You're going to do a lot of running and chasing. Uh, we probably won't touch a ball for four weeks at the start of the season because it's all going to be about fitness. And yeah, all that dribbling and passing you did in your recruitment videos that we like so much, 
you're not going to do that for us because what you're going to do is either launch it long or run onto the pool. Uh, and by the way, although you've signed up for a college in New York, yeah, this is upstate New York and you're actually five hours from New York City and the nearest cinema is a, a two hour drive. And that's when the dreams come, come crashing down because I think... Uh, I think it's cut out. Uh, I'm still there. Have you still got me? There we go. Let's see if I can easily splice this back together. Yeah, so when it comes to the college game, to college recruitment, you've got to be careful and do a lot of research. It's a fantastic opportunity. Just make sure you know exactly what you're doing and who you're playing for and, and where you're going to be living. And to be fair, if I'd like to add on there, and I've learned this actually, especially the last 12 months of my coaching journey, um, it's about who you work with. You, mm. It doesn't matter what club it is. It doesn't matter how, what, like, if you're with around good people and you've got people with your best interest in you, that is, that is that's so valuable. And don't, under, I think people have to not underestimate that. Um, because yeah. I've the last 12 months, I can't tell you how many horrible people, people I've worked with. I, it is so many of them. And now I'm always thinking twice on who I'm getting involved with. And, you know, networking's key. Now, there's no if you have an interview with someone there's no make sure you've got your own set of questions for them because if their values don't match your no is a fantastic word to use and absolutely and that's, yeah if people are listening to this that's my big thing uh make sure no <laughs> it's something that linkedin and twitter are really really good good for and having uh, the network it's becoming uh, a bit of a tool where you can almost vouch for companies or clubs or, or even countries and you can do connections as well so you can look at an interview uh, with a coach who's worked in a particular location oh I've got a, a, a job application going with them let me go and talk to that coach uh, same thing with LinkedIn if you see a job that you think looks pretty good look up the club find out who's worked for them look at how long these people have worked for them see their high rate of turnover Send these people some questions. Hello, mate. Do you have a few minutes just to answer a few questions? Do do the research because uh, as, as much as we, we try, it's hard to vet everybody. So there, there's strength in numbers. Uh, and a lot of the, the scam artists, they rely on you being an individual and not doing your research. If you come fully prepared with uh, know what kind of money you're going to get, but also how much that money's worth in local currency. So if it's a high cost of living or if it's a low cost of living, your, your wage will go further or not. What, where will you actually live? Where you go to bed every night is really important. You're going to spend a yeah. third of your time yeah. in that room. You need to know what it's like. How are you going to get to work every day? Uh, what the transport's like, what you can do in your spare time. All this stuff is really, really important. And what's the boss like? Is the boss fair? Is the boss going to help? Uh, are they the kind of person that screams and shouts and loses their head every time? Or are they the kind of person that says, all right, let's solve this together? Yeah. yeah. Is he qualified for the job he's in? I've learned that one. We'll go into that one. I've got to learn. Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting, that's a juicy story for you. So, the, the, yeah, there's a lot of uh, blind leading the blind in some places when we go abroad. So that's why we've got to do our best to, to help each other.
let's move on to India then. So yes, you were yes. in India for a while. First of all, I'd like to know what were some of the biggest culture shocks, particularly in regard from uh, USA to India or uh, UK to India? Um, India is everybody's happy like America so from you've got America so you've got American lifestyle like it's very well you know UK is called quite similar India is very hot um India is very people have very little but they're very happy everyone's happy to see you everybody's like you know it's very cheap so, you know you've got to adjust you know adjusting to like dollars and pounds and stuff is not very difficult but when you got when you've got like um rupees, you know, you've got oh you got you know it takes you a couple of weeks to like figure out like the rupees and what what costs you what and you're gonna get ripped off because you know you're a foreigner, people will, you know, I look at you and they think they can give you a you know I mean like one all of that's all part of the learning process. Um India as a whole, as a culture, you know, it's it cat is very cheap, you know, very you know, I think my if my if I was paying for my apartment, I think it would have cost 150 pounds a month, something right. like that. So you know, comparing to you know, it's just so cheap and cost of living is very small compared to the UK and the US. Um, you know, a lot India wasn't that bad because a lot of people spoke English. I actually went there, tried to, I learned a little. I can't remember it now, but I learned a little bit of Hindi just to show that respect. Well, I was in Kerala. They don't speak Hindi in Kerala. They speak Malayalam. So, absolutely, I went there. No, we don't speak it. And and like the UK, there's different parts of Kerala speak different Malayalam. So they told they told me not to worry about learning it. Plus, loads of people spoke English anyway. Um, and they, and India, when it comes to like, especially football players, everyone wants to live mentality of they want to be better than they were yesterday um there's no spoiled kids everybody's you know up had a good up you know everyone has respect that's the word i'm going to use everyone has that respect for you that you're an english coach that you, that you you're out there to, to you know you have to speak slowly don't get me wrong and it, it does there's a lot of adjust there's a lot of adjusting to do when you get out there but if you if you embrace it or embrace those changes and you learn something and you you come home a better person from doing it, I'm, I'm I've got I love to go back out to it. I feel like I've got unfinished business in India, so I love to go back to India one day and help improve football because football in you know in India is, is getting bigger. It is getting bigger and it will get continue to grow in the next the next ten years. And I hope they get a World Cup or I think a World Cup. Would, would be good for India for Indian football. But how do participation rates of football compare to cricket? Oh, around India, cricket's very the most popular sport. But in South of India, like Kerala, Chennai, Goa, football's most popular, I believe. Um, you know, they everyone loves football, and that's why it's getting more popular. Um, and Hyderabad as well. Hyderabad's very, very popular. Bangalore now. Uh, is it Bangalore? Yeah, they're very like all the where the the football clubs are quite you know quite massive in the Super League. And you, 
and you've got now whereas you got but you've got like the north of India there's not many like super league clubs in Bengal and things like that but it's, that's where cricket's most popular but when you go hit the south of India southern India that's where the, the pop the, the love of football is do you think it's turning into a a football nation in terms of or amount of players playing, but also amount of fans watching, whether it's Indian Super League or whether it's watching the European games on TV? Um, that's a good question. I like to I think like it's getting... I think if it wasn't getting popular, it, you know, you've got the likes of Simon, but then you have Owen Coyle was there last year. I think he won the Super League. He won it last year. You've got Simon Grayson at Bangalore this year. You know, you had Robbie Fowler at Sporting Bank. So... When you got big names like that going into like football, uh, Indian Indian Super League, it will it will get popular. Um, uh, there is more. Um, so they're introducing the I League Two next year now. So they're, they're building another league, um, in India for another professional league. So that just tells me it's getting it's getting more popular. There's more teams. There's more clubs forming. So I think you've got. The Things like Scoreline, who I was with out there, they're getting bigger. You know, they're producing more players and things like that. So, yeah, I believe it's getting more popular. What are some of the key lessons you learned as a coach while working in India? Um, the key lessons as a coach. So when I was, I had to talk very slowly for them to understand. Uh, a lot of demonstrations. Um, when you go to like, you know, I think even if even if you are, there's nothing normal coaching. I think you just show people. It's a lot of things anyway. But especially with a language barrier, um, show them what to do, show them what to do a lot of the times. Because uh, you might have some kids that don't know how to speak English very well and some that do. Um, and you just, you, you're saving time a lot. But just show them what to do and they get, they, they get going. A lot. Of, and a lot of a lot of coaching books, a lot of coaching material, which I shared with the coaches, if uh, out there, and a lot of them, um, they all photocopied it. And the, I think it was one coach, his name was Milton. He went from coaching underage football, and in a year he's coaching in like the Kerala Premier League. So like he's come on leaps and bounds all because like you know I wasn't just helping the players, I was helping coaches because. We agreed when we got when I first got there was right. We we, we at least we work with the coaches first because that only it's only going to help the players, and um, they, I think they've stuck to that. Which and I think that everything just got better for, for scoreline. Hmm. It's important that you try, try and help the people there because you won't be there forever, but they might be. So if you can leave it in a better place than where you found it, yeah, that's that's always my thing. You know, I always want to try and I always think about the bigger picture, you know, and I I, I was never going to be there for like, just in case I was there, you know, I wasn't very there. I wasn't, I wasn't there for long. I was only there for two months because of COVID and I was like, okay, let's, you know, okay, how, how am I quickly going to, like, how do I leave something behind? How do I make something for these people? And they all speak, you know, they, they all, they do message me still. Everyone from Kerala still messages me asking how I'm doing and, they keep an eye on my football stuff, which is nice. So we've always built that relationship. So when I go back to India, I've, I've got, you know, I'm always going to, I've got someone, I've got people to go and see. 
what was it that appealed to you about going to India in the first place? <laughs> it's, it's not in the UK. Uh, <laughs> the weather. Uh, uh, do you know what? For me, like, you know, this is one of I, I said, my dream is to like, build a football club. Like, I, I love to do what Eddie Howell did at Bournemouth, take a club and take him up through the leagues. Um, I don't want to be the manager of Manchester United. I don't want to be the manager of, you know, Palace Tower. I don't want to be the manager of Palace anymore. Like, I want to grow something, I want to build something. Um, and I felt like India was a good, you know, would be, would be a good place for that. Oh, I can see why. So let's move on to your next location abroad, Uzbekistan. But it's been yes. like... Yeah. You were back in England briefly uh, before then going back out to Uzbekistan. So I'm, I'm guessing, and particularly from your last answer as well, that you don't see your future necessarily in this country. But what is it that you want to do? What are your ambitions as a coach? Um, um, much as I love to do things in the UK, I feel with the system in place, I feel, I don't feel valued. Like the, the, I won't ever get the English system. I'll never give me my A license because I'm not, I'm not a footballer. I'm not one of them. So I feel to get a a leveled opportunity, I'll have to go abroad. Um, I don't have a problem with it. You know, you know, I've put my, I want to do my A license, but I feel like I've got to go. I've got, I won't be doing it with English FA. I can promise you that now, because I've, you know, I've got one. I've got to pay for it myself, which is about four grand. But you know, I'm not. I can tell you about. I've met people that haven't paid for it because they've got a PFA to pay pay for it. So, uh, and I think the, the English system's in, set there for the the the, foot, for the professional footballers, and we us as grassroots as coaches, like we start from grassroots. We're very. I feel. I feel we're looked down upon. I don't feel like there's not much support there. Um, that's just my opinion. So going abroad is my, you know, if there's an opportunity abroad, I won't dismiss it. I will, have, you know, I love the idea of going to do it. Like, I don't care where I am in the world. As long as I get to build, you know, I get, I've got a project, I get to do something there. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So is there any kind of role or location you've seen and you thought, oh, I want a bit of that? Uh, recently, or the, what I've done in Uzbekistan. Um, so when I've got when I went to Uzbekistan, I I got I applied for the role originally to go to Jizak to be a head of academy football in Jizak, but that never happened. So I went to Tashkent. I still went to Uzbekistan, but I was in Tashkent instead. And uh, my time in Tashkent, which was very different actually, Uzbekistan was very different to India. Because of the language, or because of the language barrier, for one, there wasn't many people who spoke English. Mm-hmm. I went, I went on behalf of uh, with Brookhouse College, uh, which is in the UK, which is in um, near Leicester. I went, at, I went there recently to meet them. The lovely, lovely people at Brookhouse, Rachel and Giles. Um, they've got, they've got it really, really well run up there. Um, unfortunately, what in Uzbekistan, my experience with Brookhouse wasn't entirely very good because of the manager, because of the guy out there, not because of, it's got nothing to do with Brookhouse in the UK. It's got to do with the guy that's running it. Um, his name was, his name Shukrat. Uh, yeah, very, you know, I'll go into that in a bit, but, but, but going on to the coaching and going on to the most important thing, you know, I, 
they were, I had to do my session plans like on Google Translate and to make my sessions relevant and quickly. I, I sent them myself, I put a session plan in the chat and the base, okay, to make things nice and quick and I'd get the players that could speak English that would translate. Um, I took a team over. They went five games in a row without scoring. And I went, I lost my first game 3 2, and then I won 12 out of 15 games, ended up winning, ended up winning the Cutter trophy. Funny enough, I literally like we managed to stay in the league and then we managed to go into this tournament and end up winning it. So, which was really, you know, was quite good. Um, I've, you know, I was there for four months and it was very, you know, to build a culture. Um, one of the things because I was allowed to work for the players every single day. And one of the things I was allowed to um, implement uh, because players, you know, I think uh, five players in Malaysia, uh, they got their contract, either they've got the contracts or they got into the academies out of Malaysia. Another five players stayed in Uzbekistan, played for the bigger clubs there, like Practicor and the uh, Olympic. And one of them, Assad, is in the UK for, he's uh, coming back in a new year, I believe, to the UK, uh, going to Brookhouse which was brilliant. So we created a culture. So even though when players left and moved on, we still kept winning. Um, I think it was a happiness uh, development and performance. So I've put these, you know, I won't go into boring detail of what, you know, what I did, but those key elements, you know, we focused on those and, you know, I made sure we had to build that cult of a thriving culture. Um, we wanted the players, they wanted to win, they wanted to, win they wanted to do what it took, took to win games and they wanted to be and they all helped each other to be better footballers and I felt that wasn't there before and there, there was a very the culture of they didn't care if they were late they didn't you know what I mean that those profession those basic professional um you know what's they're called like those attributes weren't there there's things like being on time that weren't no one no one cared and when I turned up, I had to be disciplined to make sure discipline was there. Uh, I had a good number two in Donny. Um, he was brilliant. He's coached every 22 years. He was such he was so good helping me. Um, and he, he picked up English really quickly, actually, funny enough, and which helped, you know, with the with the sessions and sessions to flow, um, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. a lot of them learned English. They picked it up from, you know, a lot. They still wanted to learn. And, you know, it was... A very successful period of wasn't wasn't just you know took a team that couldn't score, and then like we scored started wasn't just winning games we were just like winning scoring like sevens and eights, and quite you know we turned it around really quickly there and the the players did really they just embraced everything it was really good it doesn't happen every day, it doesn't happen every day getting everybody to buy into what you do quickly. Um, but they, they noticed, like, you know, every new coach that I think, well, that I've gone into places, they look at my knowledge, they want to know my knowledge and my behaviour, how's my attitude. Those are two things that people pick up on me straight away. And and they know I'm, I'm not there to mess about. So, you know, I'm very much on, I want to be successful. I'm not there just to be there. I'm there to be successful as, as well as other things, bits and pieces. You know, but those were the main things. It was very good how quickly it all come together. Let's go back to the start then. And before we do that, I'd Sorry. also just quickly mention uh, when you talked about having to translate session plans on, on Google, thankfully now uh, the guys have developed that football lingo app. 
where uh, I've used it and it is phenomenal. And I know a lot of us could have done with that years ago, but it's better late than never. And I'm glad someone finally did it. Uh, what was it then that appealed to you about going to Uzbekistan? So you saw the opportunity, you thought, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> because it's a country not many people could spell, let alone uh, point to on a map. And I'm sure from your friends and family, you had a lot of what, what? No, where? And followed by why? So what were your first thoughts when you um, saw I, the I, in Uzbekistan? I looked, I looked I at the looked, opportunity looked. first and foremost, and I thought, academy manager, I get to work with the players every day. I saw the description, and I was like, you know what, I won't get to do that here. You know, I, why not? Let's look into it. Let's, and I looked up Uzbekistan, like Tashkent, and you know, I spoke to um, other people, like LinkedIn's a lovely, a, a brilliant tool. You know, I, I was allowed to speak to people, their, their experiences in Uzbekistan and, and things like that. And every like every British person I spoke to said they loved it and would go again. So I, no matter, even though if you Google Uzbekistan, is it safe? You know, a lot of comes up on there and there's a lot of it that's not necessarily relevant to certain, like, to that area that I was in. Um, so I just thought, I just thought to myself, you know, never say... You, you live once, you know. You, you, I see Borden bankrupts go travel everywhere. Uh, you know why not? You know, what worst comes to worst, to get on the plane and come home. That's the right attitude. I've, I've always thought that if it's crap, you should just go home again, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I I love the the food. Some of the best food I've ever had is in Uzbekistan. Some of the friendliest people I've ever had is in Uzbekistan. You know. It was, a, it was, a, you know, away from the, you know, from the guy running it, away from him. It was such a good place. I'll go back on holiday. I've made so many friends. I'm, you know, everyone still, you know, messages me asking, oh, when am I coming back and things like that. You know, it's, everyone's very grateful for the fact that they had, to, you know, a European coach come there because it's, like you said, it's not a country that most people have ever heard of. And mm. if you're listening to this, go visit Tashkent. It's a lovely city. It's a lovely place to go, and yeah, always, I'm always open for, to to look at opportunity. So the the country itself, uh, you said the people are friendly and and the food's good. What was it like where you lived? What what were the living arrangements? Was that taken care of through the job? What's the transport like? Try and paint um, a picture. For us. Um, yeah, bigger picture. Yeah, so bigger taxis, picture. for example, cost like a pound. And literally, it was like a 10, 20 minute drive. Didn't cost, it was very, very cheap. It cost very little to, to know to get about. Um, it was hard to get the metro or anything like that. Language barrier was a big problem. You know, you know, you have to because I speak Uzbek, which is like similar to Turkish and Russian as a second language. You know, English. Not many people speak English. Very rarely people would speak English. Um, living arrangements. So I wasn't. The internet. And there we go. Living arrangements. Yeah, living arrangements. So, like, you know, it cost a pound, like, get a taxi. Very easy to get about, very cheap, you know. 
I use Yandex, but the language barrier, I always had to work around the language barrier because I couldn't speak it, their language. They couldn't, most of them could speak English. So um, food-wise, food is very cheap. Nine times out of ten, you know, I think I paid for like, two sausage rolls and a cup of coffee. It was like 70p. Like I always, even if I wasn't hungry, I made the effort to go to local bakery because you know there's not McDonald's out there. That's not a thing. It's all local. Starting this, that you know, it's brilliant. I felt I loved it. I loved the local. If it's you know, I loved all of that stuff because it was not. It wasn't like America. Wasn't corporate though. Wasn't corporate. There was a KFC. Don't get me wrong, but like it wasn't like traditional KFC. It was their version of it. Um, which was, I just I just found it to be so much better you know we had shashlik out there was brilliant um but the living arrangements you know the other coaches before me had nice apartments with beds and stuff i never had a bed so i had a so i slept on a sofa and my apartment wasn't dirty or anything like that it was actually really new i got a new apartment newish build but um i was sleeping on a sofa for four months it got it got me the cheapest um apartment he can find um was going out eating all the time because like I couldn't cook, I couldn't, I didn't have any like the stuff to cook, so I didn't want to spend loads of money on having to buy loads of kitchen equipment just to. I couldn't take it home with me, like I wasn't going to do that. Um, so I was like, I was eating, eating a lot, so which was still cheap as anything out there. But in my living arrangements, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great having to sleep on a so on the on the on the sofa. But I got by. It was better than nothing. I've had a lot worse. Yeah, I can relate. A lot of people can relate to that kind of experience, and, and you have to weigh up the the, you know, the good and the bad, and all sorts of things will go wrong. But let's talk about the football scene in Uzbekistan. Are we likely to see a men's or women's team at a World Cup anytime soon? I don't think so. Um, based on because there's a lot of corruption in Uzbekistan, especially in football. Can't you know you. Games are bunged. Um, yeah, even my games, even under eighteen level, some of my games are definitely bunged. Like the refereeing, the the ref standards. There's no standards refereeing and things like that. Like the standard is very poor in terms of quality. But some don't get me wrong. Like there's some players that should make it, um, but because they don't have the money, then you know they sometimes like the same managers will go with a merry-go-round. Apparently, from what I was told, so the same managers go from club to club because of that. It's all money orientated. I don't see a well. Um, I, hope, I want to, but I, mean, I love to see. I love to see Uzbekistan get to a World Cup and things like that. And you know, to be, you should never say never. I think. I think you know places like Uzbekistan would uh, a World Cup there would be brilliant. You know, there's a lot of the stadiums there are big anyway. There's need one or two of them redeveloped, but still, you know, it's a good footballing nation. Nation. It would make sense to have a World Cup there, for example. I, I, I wouldn't see uh, a Uzbekistan team get to a World Cup anytime soon. So, final question about yourself: Where do you want to go next? What What are the uh, the ambitions for your career? Um, um my ambitions. Uh, I, I want to be. I want to get to the very. I love to. You know, for example, I love to go back to India, take a club, and get to the Asian Champions League. No, I love to like. Go take a club from the bottom, take them all the way upwards. Um, my, I want to get to the very top. Uh, you know, I would, I'd say I'd love to see what Grand Potter's done, go the broads, and then come back to the Premier League and things like that. But 
I'd rather, you know, I'm happy just to enjoy the journey. I'm happy just to go in somewhere where there's an, I'm grateful for any opportunity, to be honest, because there's very few of them now. Um, you know, I want, I need to get me away for a license, you know, how I'm going to get that. I have no idea, you know, but I've got, once I get that, I feel the world, I think it, a lot will open up for me. Um, but for now, I'm literally, I've just got to focus on getting on the A license course. Uh, that's my next, you know, step by step. Well, Harry, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming on. A really enjoyable chat. I'm sure the listeners would have got a lot out of it. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Thank you for listening and having the great coach telling more great stories. Thank you to Harrison for coming on and sharing with us. Don't forget to check the site for the latest jobs around the world and at home. We also have the BFCN app, which can make your job browsing a little bit easier. And we're looking forward to seeing you next time.